Welcome to True Crime Medieval, 1,000 Years of People Behaving Badly. That's our theme. I'm Ann Brannan, your host who's recording in Albuquerque. And I'm Michelle in Maryland, the most medieval state in America. So um, this is we're doing the second part today of um, our story about the princes of the tower, the true crime story of what the hell happened to um, two young boys who were stuck in the tower in 1483. If you missed the first uh, one, then probably you should go hear that because we explained the cousins war. It was great. And also how the boys ended up in the tower. So at the point at which we're starting, uh, young uh, King Edward, although he hasn't been crowned and won't be on account of, you know, being usurped, and his brother Richard are in the tower. It's the summer of 1483. Their uncle Richard has taken the throne and declared them illegitimate. It's uh, And so he's being king now, and little Edward did not actually get crowned. And what happens in the summer of 1483 is that they're seen less and less. Uh, they've been seen playing or in the yard, and they show up less and less, and eventually they just aren't seen again. They are never seen again after the summer is over. There was an attempt to rescue them in uh, July. Whether or not they were still alive at this point, we don't know. But the the rescue didn't work for whether the people weren't able to get in. Uh, and there's a reference in Richard's household accounts in July of 1484 saying that the children should be together at one breakfast. But not only is this, you know, the next year, an entirely year later, it's not at all clear that this was about the boys in the tower. Richard had several children. Um, his nephew and uh, two nieces were living with him. And so it can well be about them. We also know there's only one. Uh, Michelle's going to talk about, uh, you're going to talk about sources mm-hmm. later, right? Did, uh, are you going, do you want to talk then about Dominic Mancini? Yeah. Okay, so you can talk then about Dominic Mancini. I want to mention the rumors because, of course, you know, the, the kids had gone to the tower. Nobody saw them again. And the rumors started circulating pretty soon that they had been murdered. Uh, and the rumors were had gone as far as France by January of 1484. And all of the historical counts, however, other than Mancini's, Mancini's, uh, date after Richard III's um, death, and so are somewhat suspect. But the rumors, people people thought that the kids were dead and that they had been killed by Richard. Michelle, tell us about the sources. I know you're excited about that. Yeah, I, I enjoy the sources. Um, they get increasingly um, nastier to Richard as we go along in time. Mancini is, Mancini is um, an interesting one because we just... This is a relatively recent discovery. The 1930s were clearly an amazing time, by the way, in in medieval studies. Oh, that's when we found the Winchester manuscript, the, the only Mallory manuscript. Oh, yeah. Lots of stuff. Yeah. So when we got the Mallory, mm, there's all kinds of marvelous stuff showing up. So this is when this shows up, um, which is really the only contemporary account we have. It's not spectacular in that he is still dealing with rumor. He doesn't have any kind of um, personal connection that when he comes, he comes to court, he comes to England, he's an Italian cleric, he comes to England um, in 1482, probably late in the year. Um, he's 
on a fact-finding, which some of the sources say read spying mission. Yeah, fact-finding for whom? <laughs> I mean, what's the difference between fact-finding and spying, really? Well, it depends on how outward you are about, hello, I'm here to learn some stuff, is not the same thing as, hi, I came by to sell brooms. Those are really different things. Depends on how open you are about it. So here he is trying to gather information, but he doesn't have an actual firsthand, you know, he's not actually in court. He's talking to people. He's gathering rumors. So at least, you know, he's got contemporary rumors at least. But it's interesting. The source that I was reading was talking about how because he's writing in Latin, translations, later translations by contemporary scholars, our contemporary scholars, um, editions from six, the 60s and the 80s, read backwards when they translate. So he his title got translated in one edition as the usurpation of Richard III, even though that's not really the word. It's not usurpazione, it's occupazione. Oh, that's very different. So the point was being made there that we, we kind of tend to read backwards and make him, make him making a stronger statement that he that he really is right. um he wasn't actually calling richard a usurper mm. we call richard a usurper and i'm okay with that i well maybe we could talk about this later i guess after the sources i'm i'm reasonably sympathetic to richard's dis- i mean it just makes me more angry with edward that he put him into this position fair enough here take on my wife's entire family good luck i'm gonna die now right right, right. jerk yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we can talk about this in a bit because, yeah, Richard. <laughs> Richard's problematic. <laughs> we have- I want to be sympathetic to him. I really do. But anyway, yeah, so we'll get to that. Tell me more sources. Tell me more sources. So we have... Oh, well, wait a minute. What did Mancini say? Because, you know, he's our source. So he um, he says that Richard had been aiming at the throne ever since Edward IV dies. And was... Um, so it's it's reasonably you know negative but it's not clear how well informed because he's dealing he's dealing with the rumors he can pick up but that lets us at least know those are the contemporary rumors but at least he's not somebody with a, a a dog in the fight was one of the huge problems with the later sources is that so many of them are flat up tudor partisans right right well, there was there. One of the things that was interesting to me was that it's not just that he says that the boys were seen, uh, you know, that the boys were taken into the inner apartments. He also says that Edward was being visited regularly by a doctor. That I think is really important, and I, I want to that'll come up later. Mm-hmm. And that he also says that Edward was concerned about his soul and thought that he would be dying soon. That is that is very interesting. I got no reason to doubt that. You know, it's it's that's being written. He wrote this in November of uh, fourteen eighty three. The kids hadn't been seen for a while. That that was what was being said in the household. So one of the really interesting, another really interesting source is the Rouse Rouse R O U S. Rodents of unusual size. That's a different context. <laughs> But that is actually his name, R-O-U-S, um, who was a, a, a chantry priest. And he wrote, during Richard's lifetime, a history of the Earl of Earls of Warwick. And then after Richard's death, he revises it. He writes it first in English, and then he translates it to Latin. That's an interesting movie. Isn't that interesting? So the, the, the earlier one, written during Richard's lifetime, is 
reasonably positive to Richard. The most mighty Prince Richard, by the grace of God, King of England, all avarice set aside, ruled his subjects in his realm full commendably, punishing offenders of his laws, especially extortioners and oppressors of his commons, and uh, rewarding those that were virtuous. By the wit's discreet guiding, he gave great thanks to God and love of all his subjects, rich and poor, and to the great praise of the people of all other lands about him. So that had to go when he revised. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't keep that when the tutors come in. That's gone. <laughs> but he and he kind of tries to get back a hold of the English copies, but he's not able to gather them all back up. <laughs> so as we as we move along, um, you know, then we move into some some chronicles, the Crowland Chronicle, which is uh, one that's been, you know, continued over the course of a number of years by various people. And there's lots of arguments about who picks it up and keeps it going. It's originally, of course, you know, a monastic creation, which then gets gets uh, continued by other people. So we have this one, and then we have, a, then we have another one. I don't want to go through every single one of these because we actually have a number of chronicles, but they're all, you know, the written after his death. And what happens generally speaking, is that he gets worse as we go along. Um, so stuff gets added, right. right? So this one written right after his death, the Crowland, um, is negative, but it's not Thomas More level negative, right? So we have, by the time we get to Moliere, uh, oh God, French. <laughs> M-O-L-I-N-E-T. Um, claims with no evidence whatsoever that Richard III plundered the churches. Oh, really? Huh. No. <laughs> it just snowballs as we go along. And then we get to um, the the one that first mentions the, the teeth, being born with teeth. So he becomes more of a monster as time goes on. This is another work by John Rouse, who's really going, working hard to... Um, ingratiate himself with the tutors after that far too nice yeah, yeah, yeah. paragraph he has different work the history by john ross i'm trying to sorry i'm trying to translate the latin on the fly let me go down further into the paragraph to where they've done it for me history history of the kings of england and it's dedicated to henry the seventh ah yes 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 this is the first one that um comes up with the tale of Richard being born as a baby with teeth and hair, and it took two years. The pregnancy took two years, right? Yeah, yeah. So stuff keeps getting added on, added on, um, until we finally get, of course, to infamously Thomas More, who's the history of King Richard III is very much the basis for then the rest of the 16th century developing him into this unmitigated monster. Now, this makes me really, really sad because I highly admire St. Sir Thomas More. And I would like for him not to be a lying liar from liar land. It's possible. The The best case we can make for More is that he listened too credulously to his patron, Morton. More is just not a credulous person. No, this is... And what truly blows as far as Thomas More is concerned is that he still got beheaded by he here he is toadying carrying water for the tutors and slandering richard up one side and down the other and he still gets beheaded by henry the eighth 
okay, well, yeah, but see, the bottom line, the bottom line is the church, you know, that he, that he can't mess with. He won't do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because in the year 2000, uh, we were in uh, London and my child was, what, one and a half or something? And as a piece of the bicentennial celebration, they had opened up uh, St. Sir Thomas More's uh the room that he was held in in the tower so you got to go see that and so i explained all about saint sir thomas more to my child who then invented this game which we had to play every morning where he hid under the kitchen table whilst i was having my tea and um, biscuits and would say um and i was supposed to say sign the paper and he would say no i won't sign the paper this went on and on <laughs> and, but the problem was that there was no way to end it you know because you can't like end it then i'm going to cut your head off I mean, he's my child and nor was he willing to do that so it all kind of petered out as a as, as a game it didn't work really well but he was quite taken with saint sir thomas war for a while but i digress <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we may want to talk about this later rather than right now, but I think that the sources, you know, what's one of the things that's really, really ultimately fascinating about the Wars of the Roses are the stories that come out of it. You know, Henry V becomes this figure who was a dissolute youth who grows into his kingship, which has zero to do with what he was actually doing in in real life, he was on the battlefield at age 16. He has a horrific scar from taking the arrow in the face. And we, you know, Richard as the last Plantagenet King has to be made into this figure of monstrosity. I think in order, in order to say, okay, we've defeated this. Now we're done with it and we can move on. Yeah. We're moving. They, on. they essentially load all of the blame for the conflict onto him and then say, okay, we, 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 we've defeated him. It's going to be great. No, no. And it, it isn't, you know, we can't even really put all the blame for the conflict on his idiot brother, Edward. <laughs> I, I, I want to put a lot of it on on. Oh, a lot, a lot, a lot. But he had inherited, really. I mean, it, it went on for generations, the Cousins War. At any rate, so uh, Sir Thomas More, in one of his uh, less wonderful moments, says what about Richard III? Oh, our source girl. Every single thing that we think we know about him has its shows up in more. The idea that he was born, you know, with a hunchback, that he had the teeth when he was born, that he was born with hair, that it was a two-year pregnancy, that he killed off everybody. So the kill of the boys, that's in there. Oh, all of it. I, Shakespeare Shakespeare doesn't use him really directly as a source. He's going from Hollandshed and and Hall, but they use more as a source. So it's kind of like a grandfather of of the play. <sighs> this makes me sad. Oh well, but that's a you know, that's our inherited story that Richard killed the boys in the tower. And to be fair, I actually think that it is probably true, although not necessarily as monstrously as it has been said. You don't think he killed him? Mm-mm. <laughs> so we'll get to that. All right. Uh, any more of the sources? Mm, I don't think so. Do you, did you did you did you have one you wanted to talk about in between there? There's there's a whole ton of them, but it seemed unnecessary. They're fairly repetitive. Yeah, they're fairly repetitive. The major, we we hit the we hit what was major. So uh, so anyway, so the boys never we don't 
we don't nobody really knows nobody really knows what happened to the boys after the summer of 1483 they weren't around in 1674 there were two uh bodies two uh small bodies two skeletons found uh at the bottom of a staircase in in the tower and it was assumed that they were the uh, they were the two boys, the princes of the tower. Although more story is that they were buried in the tower and then moved elsewhere. And Westminster uh, refuses to uh, allow DNA testing. They've been they were moved to Westminster Abbey. Oh, see, I thought that. Oh, that's really interesting. I was misremembering that those bodies had just disappeared. No, they didn't disappear. They're not in the tower anymore. But they got moved to Westminster Abbey, and uh, Westminster is refusing to allow DNA testing. Then. In 1789, workmen were, they were working in the, um, in a, next to the tombs of Edward IV and Elizabeth Woodville, and they knocked, uh, they knocked a hole and discovered a small vault that was next to them, and it has, it had the bodies of two children, it had the skeleton of two children in it. And we do not know who those children were, and Queen Elizabeth II would have to, Queen Elizabeth II would have to allow for DNA testing, and she hasn't allowed that. And, but the thing is, even if we, if we found the bodies, what we would know is that, indeed, they were dead. <laughs> I mean, they're dead anyway, we know that. But we would know that they had um, died, but we wouldn't have known when, and we wouldn't know what happened to them. We still would, but that's the that's the bodies. And not know. every not every type of death would leave marks on a skeleton. No, 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 they would not. So, um, so we have to question what the hell happened. And there are many, many theories as to what the well, what the hell happened. Did you want to take this, Michelle, or is it me? There's, I mean, the obvious one, right? The 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 big one is that Richard killed them, or that's the main that yeah. somebody else did it on his behalf. Right. Um, uh, Buckingham f- floats around as a as a candidate for that, and we know that you know there's precedent for people thinking they're going to curry favor with a king by getting rid of somebody who they perceive as being yes. an annoyance to them. I'm looking at yeah, yes, yes, yes. That troublesome priest, the troublesome priest. Yeah, so that's possible that somebody thought I'm going to do my king a favor. I will get rid of these troublesome children. There are rumors. Mm-hmm. There are rumors that they were sent to France, just you know, removed from the country, but but taken sent over to Margaret Beaufort, um, to be taken care of in Europe and disappeared over there, which doesn't really clear anything up, right? Because if they moved, if they were taken to Europe, where did they go? Yeah, and if they were given to Margaret Beaufort, that would be especially stupid, since you know it was her son that was going to become king. <laughs> Margaret Buford didn't necessarily want them around. That would not be a trustworthy person to hand them off to. Margaret of uh, Margaret of York, uh, who became Margaret of Burgundy, that might have been a, cho- a choice. And then, of course, we have the pretenders, right? The ones that show up, uh, Perkin Warbeck, pretending to be them. So one option is that at least Richard survived and showed back up trying to claim his rights and nobody believed him, which by the way, would completely stink as an option for poor, from, from poor Richard's point of view, right? Here I am. Oh, go. Nobody believes you. Well, Margaret of Burgundy did, or she, she says she did, but Margaret of Burgundy, or pretended Margaret to. Of Burgundy, who would be Richard's aunt, uh, backed both Lambert Simnel, who was the first of the pretenders and then Perkin Warbeck, who was the second, uh, because she was, she was apparently quite interested in bringing Richard down. So 
That she backed both these guys makes it quite suspicious. That would suggest opportunistic belief rather than true belief. But I love this list of who it is that could could have killed them. Like if they both died, uh, if they both were killed, remembering that uh, the report from uh, Mancini is that uh, Edward had been seeing a doctor regular and regularly and thought he was going to die. So, you know, Richard surviving and not Edward might you know, be that would might make sense. But assuming they're but they both die, they're both killed. So there's the whole Richard the Third rumor that totally makes sense. And um, by late 1483, rumors of their death were circulating. Uh, but the thing is, Richard never brought them out to prove that they were alive. I have a problem with that because the rumors that Richard had killed them were strong enough that it was really problematic for Richard's reign and eventually led to, uh, to Henry Tudor, you know, the, the forces allying for Henry Tudor. So it would make sense if he knew they were alive that he'd just bring them out to prove that I don't think they were alive. That is a problem. At the point at which they disappeared, Richard was not in London. He was out on, uh, he was out processing, you know, be, you know, processing around and uh, some, you know, kingly thing where you go to people's houses and annoy them, annoy them. They have to like cough up a whole bunch of food for your retainers and whatnot. He was doing that. So he was not in London at the point at which they disappeared. And later, James Terrell was going to confess under torture that he had killed them. Uh, he was, uh, he had, that was when he was arrested by Henry Tudor, who was at that point Henry VII in um, 1502, because uh, Terrell was supporting a Yorkist rebellion. But it was under torture, and he wasn't able to say where they were buried, which really, if you had killed them, you would know where they were. It's only Thomas More that tells us anything about where about their whole burial. But in general, people believe that Richard had had the boys murdered. It would be very um, advantageous, though, for the Woodvilles to have started that. It rumor. is true, but it is really it is really sketchy that he doesn't bring them out, um, unless he uh, unless he perce- I don't know. He's trying. What a sucky situation to be landed in. It really is. It really is, and I and I'm not happy with any of the ways to figure this out. But I, but this is basically why I I believe also that he had them murdered, uh, and it's because he never brings them out to show them. The whole thing about Buckingham, Buckingham did it. Uh, uh, later on, he was he was he was he was executed for treason. Richard executed him for treason. Uh, not much later. And um, Buckingham couldn't have gotten to the boys without Richard's knowledge. And if Buckingham had done it, Richard would naturally have that the boys are dead. Buckingham did did it. I didn't know anything about it. He would have added that into the charges. He did. So I don't believe that. If they were dead by that point, though, he that would have been a useful scapegoat to use. Yeah, he didn't. I love the rumor that Henry VII did it because, first of all, that means they have to survive till 1485, even though nobody's seen him. And second of all, you know, even his enemies didn't think he did it, so I'm not buying that. And then there, the idea that Margaret Beaufort, no, she couldn't get in there. There's a lovely rumor, which I think is especially hysterical, Jane Shore, which who was one of Edward's um, lovers. Jane Shore did it. No, she didn't. She didn't. She didn't have the power to get into, into the tower and you know, without anybody noticing. And also, there's no reason. It makes no sense for Jane Shore to be killing Edward's sons. I don't know why that even comes up. At any rate. So if Edward the if Edward died, but uh, Richard survived, uh, then we have the pretenders. It's... 
that's the other thing. If the if they had survived, it would be, have been really important to bring those kids out to prove that the pretenders were wrong. Those boys are dead. I really don't want to. <laughs> I really, I really do not want to think that Richard. Partially, I guess what causes trouble for me is that he has been so loyal to Edward for so long. He was. He really was, and he was not the stupid. He wasn't George, his brother. Uh, he wasn't even Edward, his brother. Richard was actually much smarter, I think, than both of them. But no, I think he did, and I, I think that he had it done when he was out of town, and that's the only way he could do it. I think he. Knew, he figured it needed to get done and he had it done when he wasn't around and probably I <laughs> I would imagine it broke him if that makes you feel any better but I don't see any other thing that makes sense. That's probably true but I, I feel so bad for him in, in this whole mess you know Edward had the opportunity to make good choices and doesn't right and causes he has he has the opportunity to make things go better than he did. And so he, in, and he introduces the Woodvilles to this, which causes an enormous problem. I mean, they, they are working very hard to sideline Richard and, and make it so that he can't do the job that, that Edward has given him. And, you know, arguably push him into this whole seizing of the throne thing because they won't let him do his job, the protectorate thing. Right, right, right. That, that Edward has asked him to do, but, Edward, oh my God, what a terrible thing to do to your brother. You know, the wife's family is enormous and he has given them the titles and the position with which to resist his brother. And then he asks his brother, stand up to them and take care of my kid. Now, I mean, I suppose Richard's other option would have been to stay in the North and say, go for it. <laughs> you all, you all just do you down there in London. I will take care of the North up here. Or keep the protectorate kill Anthony Woodville and uh, allow uh, young Edward to be king and be regent, that would have been a choice. You have to get rid of the Woodvilles. I mean, you just do. They make, they go in two generations from being, you know, really not part of the ruling class in England to having their fingers in everything. So the amount of, the amount of resentment from the traditional nobility has to be enormous. It's one of the things that that not not this Richard, Richard of Gloucester, but Richard of York, you know, rides to his bid. <sighs> do you think? Do you believe that by fourteen the, the end of the summer of fourteen eighty three they're dead, or do you think they survive? I have no idea. I really would prefer to think that Richard did not have these kids murdered. <laughs> I would really prefer to think that Saint Sir Thomas More did write did not write that nasty stuff about Richard. But you know, <laughs> we don't always get what we want when we're historians, Michelle. And I, I think that it's as much as Shakespeare is an incredible playwright. It's deeply unfair. <laughs> I like his whole scene. A whole scene of the whole scene of uh, Richard the Third with Anne Neville, who's like, you know, he's he's. It's just so sad that she has to marry Richard. They'd known each other since they were children. He wasn't like some stranger. It's ridiculous. But it is really interesting that we ultimately found him. You know that that first he was lost. Yes. That his his grave just disappeared, and that we did actually. Oh, and we got to talk about the Beauforts at some point. <laughs> the Beauforts irritate me to no end. I'm so sorry that they do. <laughs> there was that whole. There was the whole agreement when they were, you know, because they're they're descended from John of Gaunt, 
and his fir- and his third wife, but when she was his mistress. Yes. So they're all illegitimate, and the whole the agreement when when they're legitimized is you have no claim to the throne. Right. Right. And they spend the next two hundred years pushing against that. Yes, they do. And by God, they get somebody on the throne. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, let's move on to the outcome of all this. There was an uprising in September of 1483, so right after the end of the summer, uh, that was meant to put Edward V back on the throne. Um, although, of course, he might, um, you know, no, we don't know if he was actually even alive then. But the people who were uprising were willing to have Henry Tudor uh as a candidate if Edward wasn't around. And so that's how early that is. The contemporary understanding that Richard had either um, murdered his nephews or allowed them to be murdered or undermined his legitimacy. And therefore, because Henry Tudor has claimed to the throne only through his mother, to the English throne, only through his mother, Margaret Beaufort. And she's the great granddaughter of John of Gaunt. And it's in the line that, as you point out rightfully so it's not supposed to have any claim has said no claim to the throne so there's lots of people in england who have more claim to the throne than henry tudor but what he did have well he had the beauforts and on the welsh side that that's his family on the welsh side had lost their lands because they supported their cousin owen glendower yay i just want to say that i am in favor of this uh but the children of the executed rebels including owen tudor were provided before as it was the custom by henry v which is how owen tudor was there where he met um henry v's widow catherine widow uh catherine of valois at any rate, because I can go on and on about the Welsh, Henry got the support of the Woodvilles. So there's that, as you point out. They're, very, they're pretty powerful. And he promised to marry Elizabeth Woodville, who was the sister of the boys in the tower. He also got the support of um, the, York, the Yorkist. And he had the support of the Welsh Lancastrians. So although he's fighting against, he, he, he's fighting against the Lancastrians, he had the Welsh. Uh, this is, so that's where the Tudor Rose comes from, that they ally the, uh, well, the Lancasters and the Yorks. It's very, much, it's very much a defeat of the old families by the new. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Absolutely. And his forces were outnumbered, but uh, some of uh, Richard's uh, allies deserted. And at any rate, Richard was uh, killed at the Battle of Bosworth Field on August the 22nd, 1485. So that's two years after the boys in the tower disappear. It's not that long, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they buried him in the car park, as we know. So so that's it for Richard III. But we know from his skeleton that he went down fighting. Yes, we know that. He has a number of, he sustained a number of significant injuries. Yeah. Yeah, he's not, he wasn't a coward. And he had been a soldier. He had been a fighting soldier since he was like, you know, a very young teenager. Uh, there's no reason to think that he would just like go to war and lay, you know, say, oh, no, that wasn't him. That's a, that's a bad malignment of his character. He was fighting. And of course, his body also shows that the deformities that are described in more at all are not there. He has minor um, scoliosis of the spine, but he doesn't have a hunchback. He doesn't have a withered arm. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Uh, and even the scoliosis, it didn't show up till he was a teenager. He wasn't bored with it. It's all lies. That's all lies. 
and it obviously well it obviously doesn't prevent him from being um as an effective fighter no yeah i i would like i would like for him to behave to have behaved better i would like for thomas more to have behaved better i would like for edward to have behaved better elizabeth i think couldn't have behaved any better i think she was who she was i you know george of Claire, I clearance. I, I what the hell? I don't know. It's like I, Warwick. I don't know. I just wish that I. It, it was a really bad time. It was the Cousins War was a few hundred years of people behaving badly. I'm just saying, quite a long time of it, <laughs> and and really pretty badly. Very badly. This isn't you know the standard like John of Gaunt having a whole lot of mistresses no which i don't actually consider bad behavior i consider bad behavior if you kill your nephews or if you tell horrible lies about people that go down in history or if you uh, murder uh people who have uh surrendered after the battle that's very bad that is all true (laughs) yeah the cousins war is full of bad behavior but so that's the boys in the tower i think that uh i think that richard had them murdered Although it's uh, not entirely in what was his character before. I think he was put into really bad circumstances, and that's what he did. Michelle believes that um, he didn't because there was some kind of um, horrible thing that happened that he didn't even know about, and then he um, never talked about later. Is that what you believe? Don't believe that, Michelle. I don't believe you believe that. (laughs) I really, really do not want him to have murdered his nephew. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm having I'm sorry it's an x-files thing for me i want to believe <laughs> i know you want to believe but you know if you can come up with anything let me know so far not so far not if they weren't dead at by the end of the summer when the rumors were circulating if they weren't dead in those two years where the woodvilles were putting together um Uh, rebellions against him and pretenders were coming forth if they weren't dead why didn't he bring them out and prove it michelle he didn't because they were gone that's probably true but it really stinks yes it does and if somebody killed them um and he didn't know about it why didn't he drag them forth and say oh look the horrible murderers of little children and then cut their heads off you know it's like it doesn't make any sense. It's the only thing to me that actually makes common sense as to what happened. I mean, the only other thing I can think of is if somebody managed to get them out and he didn't know where they were. But that shouldn't be possible in the tower. The, I mean, the tower at this point isn't primarily being used as a prison. It's still a royal residence. So, you know, the fact that they're there doesn't necessarily imply that they were being but well there had been an attempt to rescue them which failed yeah. because people could not get in so yeah no i think that if they had gotten out uh there would have been uh we would have more evidence of it the pretenders the two pretenders were not richard they were they were the young prince they weren't him they both come from obscure uh they come from obscure origins and had to be trained how to act you know right in court and even that young boy would have known stuff that they didn't know nope they died i'll tell you what i think uh moore's the only one who gives us this detail that they were buried in the tower and then moved elsewhere i think it's very possible that if the royal family ever allows dna testing on the bodies that uh, the, the children's bodies that were found 
with Elizabeth and Edward that they'll find out that that's who it is. That is, that's an odd thing to not allow. I mean, I understand, I understand why they're not allowing anybody to see Edward the Seventh's papers because there's danger there <laughs> because he had fascist sympathies. But yes, he did. It was all good. And they don't want anybody to see his papers. Fine. Okay, cool. They still want everybody to think his abdication had to do with deeply being in love with Wallace Simpson. Fine. We'll live with that. Blah, 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 blah. As opposed to them, as opposed to them pushing him out because he had Nazi sympathies. But I understand why they, yeah, but this is. This is all very close in time. The boys of the tower are pretty far away, really. Yeah, this is an odd thing for them to be really, really closed about it's not even the same it's not even the same royal family anymore no it isn't because the tutors are going to stop after elizabeth at least they turn out to be competent okay wait are we are we going to say that henry the eighth is competent because this is going to be beyond uh no elizabeth is competent okay elizabeth is competent yes this is, it's it's beyond uh, Elizabeth. true crimes medieval, but Henry VIII, when it comes to true crimes, there were some. <laughs> uh, there were some. I mean, you know, for sure. You know, that whole the whole case against Anne Boleyn is completely. He's not who I primarily. I know, I know, I know. Elizabeth yeah, I know. does an amazing. You know, Elizabeth will be competent, but so uh, I believe we are. Next time we're meeting, we're discussing uh, Beatrice Chenchi. I think. I think that's who we are. She's not medieval, but she's only just. It's only just not medieval. So we'll go. We'll talk about. It. We're gonna pretend it's a mushy transition. You know, it, it's <laughs> not in Italy. You so can much. have things happen. <laughs> you can have things. Well, but you can have things happening in Italy uh-huh. that are happening in the Renaissance, right? But the contemporaneous things that are happening over in England are happening in the Middle Absolutely. Ages because it 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 transitions slowly. So we're talking about 15th century stuff here, and yeah. But it would, but uh, this 15th century stuff is actually in Italy, so it really is the Renaissance. <laughs> yeah, because it's Italy. But here, stuff that's happening contemporaneously is very much still the Middle Ages. That's true, that's true, that's true. Anyway, so we'll, we will uh, we'll be just discussing Beatrice Cecchi. Uh And so we're signing off now. Goodbye from True Crime Medieval, uh, where the crimes are just like they are nowadays, except with less technology. Bye. Bye. quite possible that if queen elizabeth ever would you this is my can you hear my that that's my my parrot wants to go visit the dogs